you know, we don't buy things. We don't say yes to things just because of the logic of it. We say yes because of the story makes us want it so bad. Today's episode is sponsored by the Inspired Art Pricing Workshop. If you want to confidently sell more art using a proven art pricing formula, you'll want to check out shulmanart.com forward slash workshop. And for a limited time, you can even get it at 70% off. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the arts. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Hey there, Passion Maker. This is Miriam Shulman, and you're listening to episode number 151 of the Inspiration Place podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here. Today, we're talking all about telling stories. In this episode, you'll discover the four stories every artist must tell, how to create a story bank so that you never run out of ideas, and the three-part easy story structure that anyone can use. Today's speaker is a professional storyteller who teaches leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs across countless industries to harness and leverage the power of their stories. Her book, Stories That Stick, debuted at number two on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, and Forbes said it may be the most valuable business book you'll read. In 2020, she became the chief storing officer at Success Magazine, where she interviews icons like Deepak Chopra, Misty Copeland, in an effort to hear and share their stories of success. She's based in New York City with her hubby and two kids. Please welcome to the Inspiration Place, best-selling author and professional storyteller, Kendra Hall. Yay! I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much, Miriam. Well, thanks for coming, Kendra. Welcome to the show. Now, we have a lot to talk about, but before we get there, I want you to know you're the first guest that I didn't have to rewrite the bio. Oh, because it was like the bio was up to your standards? Well, no, no, it's not just that, but like, let me explain. And this is something my my listeners, so this is kind of definitely showing them how the sausage is made. They would have no idea. Yeah. So I always ask them to give me the bio in the third person. Uh, the way I would normally get a bio would be, Kendra Hall is a professional storyteller and Kendra did this and Hall did that. And what you did is exactly what I actually do. I take everyone's bios and I rewrite it what I call Stephen Colbert style where I don't say who it is until the very end. Yes. Yeah. So how did you know to do this? This is like so brilliant. I can't remember where I learned that. I think it was just from watching speakers and watching people being introduced to the stage. Like the moment is welcome this person. But if they already know who the person was for all that time, like that kind of takes away the fun of it. So you're supposed to save the name to the end. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yep. So you you did exactly what I, I usually I go in there. I have to change all the names to she and her. And I even add that last sentence, please welcome to the inspiration place. And the very last thing is mic drop Oprah Winfrey or hey, in this yes. case, Kendra Hall. So yay, welcome. Same thing. <laughs> now, the other thing we have to talk about, you said you did spinning this morning. 
I did. Yeah, I did. Is SoulCycle still in business in Manhattan? Because they're gone out here in the burbs. No, they left. Or are they there and they're just now opening? I just confirmed this morning they are gone. No way, really? In Scarsdale, they're gone completely. Oh, no. I just saw on, well, on the app today, they're like, we're opening here, we're opening there, we're reopening there, we're reopening there. So they have the one in my neighborhood just opened like two months ago. They were closed, you know, since last March, obviously. And now they're opening like one that's, you know, 20 blocks away. Because for a while, I was having to go all the way down. I'm on the Upper East Side, all the way down to Hudson Yards, which is, you know, depending on how you're getting there, it's a, it's a ways or it's expensive. And so, yeah, no, it's, it's opening, it's getting more full. And every day we see little bits of progress. It's like, Oh, today you don't have to ride your bike with your mask on. They took the plexiglass down. So bit by bit we're, we're making progress. Yeah. I'm sure that something will come in. I, it's kind of like a forest fire, you know, things are gone and now there will be things moving in. But what's important about today's topic I know you were an instructor. Oh, man, you do. You know that. I haven't shared that with many people. It's in the book. Is it? In- it is. For like a minute. It's not a whole story. No, no, it's in the book, which... You really um, read it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For people who do not know what SoulCycle is, it's a spin. It's a very expensive spin class. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah, they is. actually have like crystals. <laughs> Do you know this? They give you diamond shoes. No, no, no. There's like, I don't know if you know this. There's like an amethyst in every studio. Look and see if it's in the studio. Behind the instructor's podium, there is an amethyst because that type of crystal creates community. Like it's the community crystal. Okay. So take a look. You know, I've seen it before in some studios and I just thought that the instructor was really into crystals and just carried it around with her and put it behind her bike. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to look for it. I never knew that that was, isn't that funny? I never knew the story behind it. And now would be like, Oh, look, there's the, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big one too. My fees are going to pay for those crystals. That's right. (laughs) What's really interesting is like what brings us back to this topic is that the most popular instructors tell the best stories. Yep. Well, and actually I had, that's why I hesitated for a moment because you said, oh, I know you're a spin instructor. And I thought, wait, I didn't tell because I have, so I was a spin instructor. And the hardest thing about teaching spin when you're first getting started is not figuring out how to ride the bike. You know that it's that, and then you have to adjust the lights and you're teaching people to spin while also you know, spinning yourself. The hardest part is putting together the playlist because if people don't like your music, it's over. And it's really embarrassing for you to sit up there in your spandex and nobody's there. And so when I first started teaching spin, I was really nervous. The studio I taught at wasn't a soul cycle. It was like this little boutique studio and the audience was a little bit older. Actually, we had everybody there was in their like 30s up. There wasn't any 40s up. And so I was really worried that people weren't going to like, you know, Britney Spears or the Spice Girls have some great spin songs. And so I'm like, how do I get them to like the song, even if they don't, so that they'll come to my spin class? And so before every song, not every song, because that gets long-winded, but I would tell a little story about the song and when I heard it. And I had stories about just 
funny stories, love stories, breakup stories. And eventually what ended up happening is my classes sold out. Like there would be a wait list. And and it wasn't because I was, you know, the most fit. It wasn't because I was even the best at teaching exercise. Like I'd never exercised before in my life before I started doing spin. But on my very last day when I retired, because I did have to retire, my class in the lobby, one of the women came up to me and said, you know, I'm going to miss your workouts, but I'm really going to miss your stories. And even now they'll like comment on Instagram if I post something about going to spin or something, they'll be like, we miss your stories. And, and it's true in spin. It's really true. And if you look at anything and you were to really look at it, most of the best things, you know, like, oh, the best artist, the best restaurant, it's, it often can be traced back to the stories they choose to tell. Oh, 100%. So in, in my town, the most popular spin instructor, he never even got on the bike. I know. Yes. He would joke how he like had no muscle tone, but he was a stand up comic. So he would like test his material out on us. And that's what we were there for. Totally. And then he also caught on that like, my demographic who showed up for 930 classes or 830, yes. we, you know, the 50 and older crowd, like we liked Whitney Houston. And I would go to his class like on a Tuesday night. Oops, he doesn't play the same music for those girls. You know, it's like it was a whole different, whole different show on a Tuesday night. Yeah, but it's true. And I I remember going to one spin class and the instructor told the story. It was the spin class right before the New York City Marathon. And I didn't realize they did this. Or It's like the Thursday before. It's kind of like the last cross training workout that marathoners will do before the marathon on that Sunday. And they hang like your, your Jersey number on the bike. It was so, so I walked in and all these bikes had these things, these numbers hanging on it. And I didn't know what it was for. And it was for the marathon. And then the instructor had run the marathon on several occasions. And she put together this whole playlist that was kind of like taking you on the emotional journey of what it is to run that marathon. And then she told us the stories of like coming over the bridge and coming around the park, but you know, like coming here. And it was so, I'm getting chills just thinking about it that I left that class and signed up to for the lottery to run the marathon the next year which I had never never I'm not Did you even run <laughs> I've never run and then of course that would would have been November 2020 so that, oh, okay. that got you got off the hook I can do it but but I need to hear her story again in order to do it but I was so like her story is a really important Thing that I don't even know I that I if I explicitly say it or not in the book, but her telling me that story made me want that experience, made me want that thing so bad, even though it is not my thing. Like running marathons are not my thing, but I wanted that story for myself. I wanted to be able to tell other people my story that was like her story. And I feel like that's one of the things that is that unsung power is when you tell the story. So, you know, we don't buy things. We don't say yes to things just because of the logic of it. We say yes, because of the story makes us want it so 100%. And it couldn't be more true for art because it's not about filling the wall. It really isn't because a mirror can fill the wall. A cheap print can fill the wall. When people buy art, they're buying our story. And this is true of all kinds of art, not just visual art. 
Kendall, let's dive in because we promised a lot to, to cover today. Yeah, what are the four different kinds of stories that every creative needs to tell? Four kinds of stories are number one, the value story. That's going to be your sales and marketing story. That's the story that expresses, as we were just talking, the value of what it is that you're offering. Now, this isn't the monetary exchange, right? This is the like, this is what is really all about story. This is the joy it brings into people's lives, a story. This is the story of where. Like what was on my mind as I was creating this piece, this art, whatever kind of art it is. So that's the value story. Number two is the founder story, which for any entrepreneur, for any creative is equally as important. Like people, again, would say yes to anything you make if you tell your founder story in many cases. So the founder story is like, when did you discover this? Or when, what was one of the moments where you realized this was what you were meant to do? Or like, for example, for me, I have, it's not necessarily going to be one founder story. I have many stories on my journey to becoming who I am and what I do and and that all add up to what I offer and what me and my business are all about. So like even that spin story could be one of them. Yeah. And let me just interject just to make sure like as we go, everything becomes super relatable for the artists who are listening. What you were saying about different founder stories, I 100% do that all the time because like when I am offering an art class on portraits, my quote unquote founder story, it's going to be kind of that hero's journey of how I created portraits. That's a different story that I'm going to tell when I'm teaching something else or I'm offering my coaching services or anything. So it, and it's all the stories are true, but they're just different, different flavors and different aspects of ourselves. It's an unrealistic expectation that we place on ourselves that we have to choose whether it's one story, if you've, if you've thought about it in terms of story before, even just like one brand, whatever, if you've been thinking about it as brand instead of story, we are, we're complicated people, you know? And the moment you and why you discover or sell portraits is very different than, than the pricing workshop, right? And, and I think people get overwhelmed and think that they have to condense it all down into one like okay this is and maybe yes you're you're this who does this this and this but that's the beauty is telling these other stories have the ability to fill out the whole picture yeah and we'll talk about the story structure i rely on the format i had this aha moment and then i discovered this thing that i want to teach you yep and here we are good job And then I also want to circle back to what you're talking about. The value story is that my art collectors will 100% not buy something if there is no story on my website. Like I'll have somebody collect something. I really like that, but where's the story? What's the story? Yes. I think that's something that is so important to say. I'm, I'm not an artist myself. I'm, I'm by art. I love art. I'm not buying just the piece of art. I am buying the story that I am going to tell about that art when someone comes over to my house or the story that I, you know, like that is as important. And now for me as a storyteller, I have a painting of a heart in my bedroom. 
I have a story about that painting. I wasn't given a story when I bought that piece of art. I saw it in the window. I bought it. But I have a story that now goes with that piece, which actually maybe could fall into one of the other story categories of customer story. Just to reiterate, we have four types. We have the value story, the founder story, and the third type is the purpose story. That's the most flexible of the stories. Those are the stories if that are more considered for like leadership, for uniting your team, for aligning, for teaching. So those are purpose stories. Yeah. So right now, an example of the purpose story is how I introduced Kendra and we talked about the spin class and about their, our experiences with different instructors, because that helped everyone understand why we're even talking about this today. So that's exactly. an example of a purpose story. Yeah, purpose stories are anytime that you, there's a concept that you want to better articulate, but it's not necessarily for us with a sales and marketing goal. If I had stood up here in my podcast mic and said, you need to tell stories because they sell art. So like, that's kind of boring. Yeah. And people yeah. don't really remember that, but they may remember like the marathon or the stand-up exactly. comic with no muscles who had a sold-out spin class. No, I want to know who that guy I'll is. I'll tell you later. Awesome. <laughs> is he still teaching? I, I don't know. We'll, 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 you know. we'll talk about that in the stories you don't need to tell. We'll, we'll bring it up again. Yeah, yeah, okay. Exactly. That's why yep. I'm not purposely not saying his name. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. The last one, which I mentioned, is the customer story. And those are... Primarily, those are the stories that you can collect from your collectors or from your customers and tell them forward as kind of a different type of value story, if you will. But it it goes beyond just like a four-star or five-star review. It's where the customer can share their whole story. However, I think also in art, being aware that your customers will be telling stories about your art is really important because each story, let's say they hang a piece in there, like I'm motioning all over my room because I have art all over my room. But let's say that you have a piece in your room, your friends come over, they tell the story of the artist and of getting the piece. That becomes It's a customer's story that they're telling to a friend that becomes a tool. Like this is how business expands because for every story that your customer has and tells forward, it's growth for you. Yeah. And one thing I want to point out for the listeners that I use when I'm, when I'm selling art, especially it works especially well in person. When you're at an art show and you're talking to a collector, the most valuable thing you can do is not just tell stories, but to actually ask questions to kind of get your collector to create their own stories and create their own reason of why they want to collect your art. And for those who can't see Kendra, she's nodding her head. I'm nodding. I know. I realize that you can't see me nodding. Every story you tell is an opportunity for someone to tell a story back to you. Stories beget stories. So if you are in person, if you are at an art show, like you said, and what you want, what's more important is not the stories that you have going out, but the stories you can get from them so that you can better tailor your message or help them create the stories as they stand there. But it's really awkward to look at someone and say, well, what's your story? 
they're not going to know what to say. So if you share a story first, and it can be a really small one, it can be one of your own stories, it can be another collector's story, and you just share it very briefly, what you're really doing is saying, this is a storytelling environment here. It's an invitation for them then to, and they will, they'll respond with a story. And now, now you've got something to work with. It's like a roundabout way to get their stories from them. Yeah. Another way that I used this recently. So I have this mini horse class. You know, it was like this evergreen Facebook ad running and it, it started to not do so well. So I was like, okay, I need, I need a new graphic and a new copy. I paid for a graphic designer to make me new images, got a copywriter to write me new copy and it wasn't working. Nobody was buying it. And so I was like, what do I need to do? Do I need to change the audience? Do I need to change the, the creative again? And I was reading your book that week and I was like, no. I need a story. <laughs> so, Yay! And I swear I added three sentences. So this is why the stories do not have to be complicated. So all my story was, I mean, I had the first attention grabbing headline, do you love horses and do you want to paint them? And my story was when I was in middle school, my best friend Kathy was obsessed with horses. And whenever we went to her house, I knew we'd be playing with her plastic horse collection. <laughs> but there was one thing we both could agree on, which was drawing and painting horses were fun. That was it. That was all I needed to add. Brilliant. So brilliant. And then the rest of the copy was what me and the copywriter had decided, you know, all the bullet points and stuff. But it like created this framework where people who maybe they were obsessed with horses or maybe they weren't obsessed with horses, but they had a friend like my friend Kathy and they remember drawing or whatever it is. Yep. I had Nikki obsessed with horses. Oh, you were? Horses all the time. Yeah, that is brilliant. That is exactly. And people often, they're like, well, but I don't have that much space. Or, you know, they're thinking about, oh, it's just a Facebook ad. And they're thinking they're supposed to write this next huge novel in order for it to be a story. And it can literally be three sentences that connect in a real way to your audience. And I told the truth. I didn't have to say I was obsessed with horses. I didn't have to do that. Like I really put myself exactly where I was and invited them. They could either relate more to me. They could relate more to Kathy and just to paint that picture for them so they could step into that space. That's an important thing to note because, you know, people will be like, oh, well, can you fib? Can you explain? No, because people will remember the story. So you can't write that in the copy that you loved horses and then they are taking the class and they're like, oh, you love me. You're like, no, I didn't like that. No, horse. I was allergic. The horse bit me at Girl Scout camp. You know, I like, yes. I didn't get it. <laughs> the power of stories is that people remember them. So they will remember them. Like you were, you said, oh, I remember that you were a spin instructor. I was like, wait, how weird did she find that I'd forgotten that I'd put that line, but you remembered that. So always be truthful and authentic because A, it's more fun and B, otherwise it really will come back to get you, especially in stories. Yeah. And by the way, it's not that I have some photographic memory of the book. Obviously, I stuck on to that piece of the story because I take spin class. You know, it's like it was something I could relate to. That's exactly the point. If it's something people relate to, they will remember it. So whether they relate to it as I know I didn't like horses either. Oh, I had that. I had that friend, Kathy, or oh, I am a Kathy. Like that's that's how it works. It's awesome. 
I'm so sorry to interrupt this juicy conversation, but I just wanted to make sure you knew about my art pricing workshop. If you want to raise your prices, but afraid it will hurt your sales, or maybe you're just starting out, you're not sure what to charge, or your prices feel right, but you're not seeing the sales you want, you probably have a pricing problem. In this workshop, you'll discover the secret pricing psychology that attracts high-end art collectors, what your prices actually say about you and your art, how to strategically price, and my three go-to marketing techniques that will create a buying frenzy for your art every single time. If you want to confidently sell more art using a proven formula, head on over to shulmanart.com forward slash workshop. Now back to the show. Okay, so now let's talk about one thing that I thought was really important in your book is like, you don't just tell stories for story's sake. We do with our friends, but in business, this isn't just like, oh, tell a story. It's be very intentional about what you want this story to do, because it will do it. If you know what it is you want it to do. Yeah. Or sometimes, so let's go circle back to spin instructor. Okay, this is the rest of that story. So entertaining stand-up comic. When he ran out of stories to talk about with romantic partners, which I thought was super fun, or, you know, we loved hearing about his his love life and all in his family, he started telling stories about clients in other studios. And then, it, oh my God, I wish they could see your face. We got a screenshot oh that. Oh my gosh, I'm like wide-eyed. I can't believe that. Oh no. Okay, right. And so when I was hearing about Ellen and the Upper East Side, who he stopped giving shout outs to, I was like, so just as we talked about, you can see yourself in the story. I said, well, yeah. maybe he sees me as the Ellen. And when he goes to the Upper East Side, he's telling stories about Miriam. I don't know. But I was like, I'm done with this class. <laughs> oh my coming back again. Yeah, I mean, you got to be careful with the stories you tell. I mean, it it sounds like he was being very him, and maybe there are people who liked that, but I don't know. No, no. It's like there's a very important lesson to share there. That's why the studio closed. (laughs) Oh, no, it's not. Actually, it's partly why. But the lesson for everyone is that there are stories you can tell, and there are stories that, is it kind? Is it helpful? Yeah, yeah. You know, you have to ask yourself kind of those basic questions. What is, does it serve a purpose? Is it helpful? Is it kind? If it doesn't check off those boxes, it's not a story to tell. I have always kind of a a rule that I haven't articulated, like I haven't put it into an exact phrase. But if ever I'm telling a story and I can't like see my part in it, or there's like a villain or that, you know, that there's... I realize that it's not a story that's ready to be told for me. We all play our parts in, in everything. And it is important to be very intentional about the characters that you're sharing in those stories. And, and to know that our stories are often more a reflection of us than they are of anyone else. Mm, that's a powerful way of looking at it. So Kendra, um, why don't we make this actionable for everyone? How to create a story bank? I know you have a really super helpful tip around this because I know that my artists, when they go to write an email, when they go to their website to write about their artwork, they get writer's block. I think that is the 
the number one thing that keeps people from using their stories is they think they don't have any or when they need one, they can't find one. And, and it's not a matter of having or not having a story. It's having or not having tools to access those stories. And to keep in mind that anything could be a story. So let's go back to the, the horse painting. You're not talking about art necessarily, that, right? Like you're, you're, the story is primarily about your childhood friend and then that you liked to draw horses together instead of play with the plastic ones. Now that probably isn't the type of story that people are thinking is what counts as a story, right? They're probably thinking it needs to be grander, it needs to be bigger. So that's the first piece of advice that I that I always give people is to check themselves and see if what they're thinking is that a story has to be a really big dramatic story. And if so, to be looking for smaller ones, because even a really small story, well, look, I mean, did that small story about Kathy transform the ad? Yeah. Well, then I started making money on it. Exactly. <laughs> so, right. Here we go. Like people were finally clicking. I was like, oh, okay. Exactly. So really it all comes down to finding stories. So one of the tips that I give is our stories often attach themselves to the nouns in our life, the people, the places, the things, the events. And so if you're looking for a story about like a piece of art or about something that you offer, see if you can look through your memory for other moments when that noun was present. So for you, horses, what of your various experiences with horses been you got bit at camp you you know like when you watch them on the bachelorette because they're always on horse riding dates Hilarious. and you have like kathy and playing plastic horses and then from there you can be like oh perfect i can use that little story people are also obviously a noun but some great stories can come from the people in your lives like you could have made a list of your family members. Well, maybe there's a story, a a small story about one of them that ties into whatever the message is that you're trying to convey. Another strategy that you can use is to think about firsts. When is the first time you, firsts are really emotionally charged moments and firsts are often the best place to go to be looking for those various founder stories as well. All right, that's beautiful. Now, I know you have a great, a simple way to structure a story like in three parts. Yeah. So the storytelling framework, instead of beginning, middle, end, breaks down into normal, explosion, new normal. And where most stories go wrong is we start in the middle of the story with the, with the thing that happened or with just simply the information. That's another thing. Like, these are the materials I used. This is how many inches and, you know, like whatever it is. Like, and this is the new normal is, I mean, if you're talking about it in the super basics, it's like, oh, this is how much it costs. Go on your merry way. But where people really start to care about it, a story, and therefore get drawn in, which then moves them to action, is in the normal. And in the normal, we, we describe the characters, we share the emotion, we paint that picture of whatever moment it is that you're trying to share so that the person who is 
reading that story, who's hearing that story, who you're telling that story to, starts to see it in their own mind. And it really blurs the lines between your experience and my experience. And suddenly it kind of becomes the same thing. And once you have them in that place, you can take them through and then, you know, here's what it is and then what is possible after they purchase it, essentially. One thing I found very helpful about in the book when you're sharing about the story structure is creating the character and also sharing some specifics. So that's why in my horror story, I actually said Kathy, like I actually said her name, because it was like, okay, that made, I didn't just say, oh, when I went to my friend's house and didn't say who it was, which would have been more of a meh kind of story. Exactly. And then you also included In the book, I talk about the framework, normal, explosion, new normal. And I also talk about the four key components that a story needs to have. And that is an identifiable character. You chose Kathy. Authentic emotion, the feeling of it. And even there, like you didn't spend a lot of time on it. You only have three sentences. But we've all had that. Like you can remember that like elementary school angst when the friend always wanted to play this thing, but you wanted to play that thing. Like we've all had that. I listen to my kids have that when they're with their friends. So authentic emotion, a moment, which is kind of a a zoom in instead of, oh, I used to always play horses with my friend. It's more like you come into the moment, like after school, we go there and then specific details. So in the Kathy story, you talking about the plastic horses. Perfect. Because of what I immediately started thinking about, I could picture my friend, Christine, who also loved horses and her entire horse collection on her bedroom floor where we used to, I was right there with you and Kathy, but I was with Christine in three sentences. It was you accomplish the entire co-creative process and I can't paint anything. And I would love to take that class. Oh, you can't. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We'll set you up. This is beautiful. I love the book. I already told everyone in the mastermind that they needed to read your book. And some of them are. And I hear you have a new book coming out. So tell us about your new book. I have a new book. And I think as a version of an artist, I suppose a word artist myself, you know, we can obviously stories in business, which is what stories that stick is all about is so important. If you ever struggle with getting your work sold or whatever it is, stories as a strategy, having your yourself differentiated from everybody else, stories as a strategy is a winner all the way. However, you can work on your marketing copy, on your sales pitch all you want. But I think as I've gotten older, I've realized so many more of the barriers to any success or experiences that I'm seeking have much less to do with the stories that I am or am not telling out into the world and everything to do with the stories I tell myself, stories I tell myself about what I'm good at, what I'm capable of, what I deserve, what I don't, you know, what failure is, what it isn't. And these stories are, they're automatic. Like they run through your head completely unattended, unedited. And in many cases, they rule our lives. I have had to systematically dismantle 
many stories in my life to get to where I want to be. And I have many more to dismantle because there's an endless supply within each of us. But that's what the next book is all about. It's called Choose Your Story, Change Your Life. It's about silencing that inner critic and really rewriting the way you see yourself from the inside out. And it was so challenging and so thrilling to write. And it comes out in January. And I just, I don't know, I can't wait. I can't wait to share these stories. That's beautiful. All right. So we'll make sure we'll, we're going to link in the show notes, which you can find shulmanart.com forward slash 151, both stories that stick, which you can get right now, or choose your story, change your life, which is available by pre-order. Maybe we'll get you back on the podcast next year. We'll talk about it because that's something we talk about a lot are not just the stories we make up about ourselves, but also the stories we make up about our customers that aren't true. Yes. Yeah, maybe that's book number three. I'm writing that down. Okay. Yeah, yeah. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Well, I always talk about, okay, just indulge me for a minute. I always talk about to sell stuff. There's, it's a belief triad. And for you, this would be the story triad. So there's belief in your art, belief in yourself, and belief in your customer. And you have to have belief in all three to sell. And what I'm hearing from you is there's stories about your art, your product. There's stories about yourself and there's stories about your customer. And some of those stories we tell ourselves don't serve us. Exactly. Like you're they're Yeah, they're just not true. Right. Yep. And we make up. I mean, ooh, that could be a whole new... I know exactly where that goes. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. All, <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Kendra, do you have any last words for our listeners before we call this podcast complete? Take a moment after you listen to this. Stop the car if you're driving or take five minutes tonight before you go to bed and just choose one communication touch point. Maybe you have an upcoming show. Maybe you are working on copy for an online ad. Like one place where you typically communicate in this way and ask yourself, is there a story I could tell here? Like, is there a Kathy and the horse story? And then just try it, try it and see, because I think you will be shocked by the change you see almost immediately. And then, you know, story it forward. If you can't think of a place, I will suggest someplace that every artist likely has. If you have a website is the about me tab or our story or my story tab, make sure it's actually a story. You can start there and tell a story there, but just try it now that's the first step to using it. And then I'm sure, I'm sure you can tell Miriam, you start, you've been using stories a lot more because you see how effective they really are. They're really powerful. All right. So we're going to link to your books. I'll also link to the horse workshop in the show notes for anyone who like hasn't seen that Facebook ad. I'm like, wait a minute. I want to be the horses. Next week, we have on the one and only Kara Golden. She's the CEO and founder of Hint Water. And her latest book, which is an inspirational memoir, includes examples of all four types of the stories that we talked about today. It's like founder story, purpose story, value story, and customer story. This is a very unusual guest to have on this show, but you're not going to want to miss it. So make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button in your podcast app. 
And if you're feeling extra generous, why don't you leave me a review? Tell us how much you like the show or not. But we'd love to hear from you either way. All right. Thank you so much for being with me here today. See you the same time, same place next week. Stay inspired. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course on shulmanart.com. 